football frenzy. Hey, you hit me so hard down there. The football frenzy on Cofield and Company. Company. Silver Sevens on a Thursday. Got the brand new City Cafe open. We got some take-home boxes. Candy, I'm gonna. I'm flying out of town after the show, but I got a little time. You want me to stop by in Henderson? I'll drop off some food for you. Uh, I heard that there was chicken parm. Uh, there is. Let's along see. with some uh, Jamaican jerk salmon, which I'm sure will travel well in the car. Um, oh, come on. It's going to be nice and fresh. What is it? 20-minute ride. What I'm basically uh, whatever. Whatever eats. Delivery service. Steve Ho, you fat eats? Yes. Uh, again, this, this platter here has salmon, mahi-mahi. This is all at the restaurant here at Silver Sevens. Some shrimp, one chicken finger, the chicken parm, the uh, primavera. I think I got it all. Ooh, asparagus, too. So, if you want, I'll drop it off. I have time. Just the asparagus. Just the asparagus? <laughs> Boy, you're going really healthy. Have you have you ballooned up to 184 now? <laughs> hey, 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 whoa, whoa, whoa. 184 is fight and talk, ho, you fat. That, that, uh, that got real out of control. I was kind of busting chops. Xavier brought it up. Xavier Pope was on with us, and we were talking about this, uh, this guy, ho, you fat, Steve, ho, you fat. I was playing in the uh, basketball game the other day at DLC, and I made a joke, and then all of a sudden it was just like competing jokes back and forth. I hope Ari dumped all of that. That was very mean. Look, you haven't gotten <laughs> dumped yet, ho, you fat. You should be happy about that. <laughs> Ari, promise me there will be some rejoiners in the future with Steve, ho, you fat, please. Maybe a little play-by-play with it, yes. Nail it, nail it. All right, let's talk football here. Coming out in the 3 o'clock hour, what is going on with the latest kneeling controversy in football in the U.K.? Wait, they play football in the U.K.? Oh, oh, oh. That football. What's happening? Uh, we're talking footy. Yeah. Like, soccer. Like we, do, like we do here on the show. Yeah, we're talking, we're talking, we're talking a little soccer because uh, protests in the English Premier League against racism, they are very clearly defined, anti-racism protests are continuing this week, and it's essentially not all that different than Colin Kaepernick. They're kneeling before the game, just taking a knee. And so I'm assuming that we're going to see the same vehement response in the UK that we saw before. I'm assuming that everybody in the US who was very, very upset at Colin Kaepernick is going to be just as mad at the white and black players who are taking a knee in England because they want to take a stand against racism. I haven't heard the flag brought into this at all. That's really interesting, I think. Don't you, Steve? Boy, that's really stuck in your craw, isn't it? It's insane. It's... It, yeah. It, the, the fact that... The fact that these guys taking what seems to be the most reasonable, calm, principled of stands... Whether it's Colin Kaepernick or in the English Premier League, people use it as a platform to rant about crazy S that it's not about. And I really did have to stop myself on the S there. Uh, yeah, it, it does drive me a little nuts. It's always going to drive you nuts, isn't it? Because it's never really going to go away, the sort of faux patriotism weaponizing of the flag. It, if, if you are someone who thinks that Colin Kaepernick is disrespecting the flag, I want you to do one thing. Just one. 
I want you to pull out your Google machine, whether it's on your phone or on your computer, and type in the words Nate Boyer. Just type in Nate Boyer. Look up the military guy who had the conversations with Colin Kaepernick that led to this in the first place. He's a military veteran. He says he's okay with it. Yes, it's complicated. He understands why people are upset. But this came out of a conversation with someone in the military and it got co-opted into something much larger that took away from Colin Kaepernick, not only in terms of his message, but his career. Let me build off this football discussion, this soccer discussion. I thought it was interesting in the story about LeBron shouting out Vegas fans and telling Adam Silver, hey, I want to own a team here, that it was also mentioned about all the other pro sports possibilities, major league sports possibilities that could be coming to Vegas, including MLS. And they are part of the idea to have this major project on the south end of the Strip. Uh, It's billionaires Wes Edens, and uh, I don't know the other guy here, but Wes Edens is uh, one of the owners of the Bucks, and they're interested in bringing MLS to Vegas, I'm gonna I'm gonna make a connection here, and I think you're gonna rip my head off. I don't know that the lights are kicking ass anymore in terms of attendance. Do you know? Because I turned on a game midweek last week, and I don't know what was going on. If it was a bad camera angle, and all the fans were on the side behind a camera, but there looked to be about 400 people there. Now, since that, they've done some big promotions, so I don't know what the attendance was for those. But do the lights have any relevance in their attendance, which has dropped? Does it have any connection to the possibility that MLS will or will not work here in Vegas? I don't know if it necessarily does. and I'm not going to rip your head off for it. I think it's reasonable to ask whether soccer has the same fan base. And I'm not saying in terms of passion. We know there are passionate soccer fans. But in the end, this all comes down to dollars and cents. And do you have a fan base that's going to spend the money to go out and watch soccer regularly. Now, look, the lights are affordable. right? The lights are a team that you can go out and see a Cashman in an area that, you know, doesn't have anything else going on, right? Not a lot of sports going on downtown Las Vegas. So if that's not working, yeah, you do have questions about what MLS would, uh, would be able to draw because MLS is popular but not nearly on the order of the four major sports. This one might only matter to me because of working concerns, but I'm, I'm sure there are fans who are thinking it too. Uh, reports out that Allegiance wireless connectivity will get a boost before the Super Bowl. So a couple of years from now, have you gone often to the stadium as a media member or I, I think in this case more importantly a fan? Because I, I think the fan experience – is altered significantly, especially on an NFL Sunday. If, if I'm sitting in the stands, as I was uh, for the opener against the Cardinals, like I can't be cut off from the world. I need some Wi-Fi, and frankly, the Al ain't great. If you build a stadium in the year 2022, there are two and only two things that have to work in that stadium. The Wi-Fi has to work, and your rideshare setup has to work. That's it. You have to be able to get Uber and Lyft in and out, and you have to be able to have a cell signal in the building or a Wi-Fi signal that is reliable. 
Why are we talking about the fact that this will get boosted before the Super Bowl? It's a $2 billion stadium. How was the Wi-Fi not great from the jump? Yes, I've been in the stands just for a concert and had trouble getting a good signal inside the stadium. And it's not unique to Allegiant Stadium. It's a problem in a lot of places. But how is that not the one thing you take care of? Yep, in a new stadium and to bring in work. Uh, so, and Ari's worked a couple of UNLV football games. I I like covering games at Allegiant on the sidelines for the Rebels. I actually breathe a sigh of relief when I go on the road because I know my Wi-Fi will work. And it's, it's you know, it's not, it's not the end of the world. Like, I like to tweet out videos you know within seconds of touchdowns being scored injury updates the other thing is i also like to be able to and we have a little talkback system just to go behind the curtain um on the unlv broadcast but sometimes the only way you can talk to each other is via text and i swear the spinning wheel happens at allegiant from the field up to the press box like 50 percent of the time or i send i send a text and i look at my phone i'm like you know 10 minutes later i'm like it didn't go through what is going on like how is this possible it's a brand new building my house has decent Wi-Fi, and I'm cheap. You know, you probably could have an intern run the message up the elevator <laughs> no, up not, to not, Russ no. and Caleb in the booth a lot faster than trying to get a text through over 12 uh, minutes' time. You know, that's funny as well. Uh, most stadiums with the elevators are very limited because the coaches need the elevators at various times. So there's a, there's a bunch of times when you're like, let me just go up to the press. Okay, nope. no, you can't because uh, that is commonplace in all college oh, and NFL stadiums. The coaches have blocked off periods where that's it. They just they take a key, and they're like, only for these guys. That's it. You can't go up and down. Too bad. No, and, and especially you do not want to get in the way around halftime. Like there are like eight angry men charging toward the elevator, and if you get run over, like you are just a casualty. Join Cofield and company on Fridays for the 3 to 6 show at the Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar. There's nothing like a football Friday at Treasure Island. One of the smartest guys I've ever been around. He works extremely hard. He did a great job for me in terms of running the defense, echoing the message from the coaching staff. Got a lot of respect for him as a player, but more importantly as a man. I just to see his growth as he's gotten older, you know, that's one of the benefits of our job, you know, get to see these young men grow up on in off the field and just really proud of him, his development as a man. Now, back to the William Hill Sportsbook Inside Silver Sevens with Cofield and Company. Under the radar move made by the Raiders, bringing in Blake Martinez, D.C., Graham, Patrick Graham. Familiar with them from two different stops before this, and they need some help linebacker uh, in terms of linebacker depth. Right, Candy? It's getting a little getting a little shaky there, and we don't know the situation with Perriman and uh, concussions. Yeah, I mean, anytime you're dealing with concussions, you don't know how long someone's going to be out. And you know, Blake Martinez at least is a guy familiar with Patrick Graham. And, you know, can step in and understand what's going on here without a whole lot of effort. Let's bring in Jordan Schultz, who actually broke the story on Martinez. We want to talk about a lot beyond that, NFL and NBA. I actually want to start out with the NBA. Jordan, how you doing? It's uh, Steve Cofield and Adam Candy here in Las Vegas. Thanks, guys. Great to be on. Yeah, appreciate the time. So you're very connected to the NBA. You know, I've seen you do your uh, sit-downs with Shaq, so you're all about that league and the NFL. And I wanted to get your take on LeBron, I think, sort of bending the rules when he was here in Vegas last night saying, hey, the fans are great here. And, yo, Adam Silver, I want this team. I want this team when it's in Vegas. Right. Right. I'm actually super curious. What was the fans' reaction to that, by the way? Were they excited? 
Of course. Yeah, of course. This this is a, this is a basketball town going yeah. back to the Rebels. So, and on top of it, we could get an NBA team, and it's going to be you know a partial own, partially owned by LeBron sure. James. That that's a freaking home run. Yeah, yeah. I was I was really interested when he said uh, it's the best fan bases you yeah. know in the world. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, yeah, for yeah. me, <laughs> you know, Le- LeBron. Here's the thing about LeBron. He is keenly aware of two things. One, his power and his his rank in the league. But also, I would argue, more importantly, or at least equally important, the fact that he can say what he wants when he wants. I mean, this is a guy that has been the face of the NBA for two decades, and I would argue has never been this powerful. Uh, Essentially, the first billion-dollar NBA player, one of the only billion-dollar athletes in the world, he will own the team at one point. He obviously already has a vested interest ownership in Liverpool. So when I think about him coming to Vegas, watching women Yana talking about him as an alien and saying, I want a team in Vegas that makes perfect sense. Do you think Silver would go to LeBron and go, you know what, I don't want you to be part of Vegas. I'd rather have you be part of Seattle. Like, Would Silver want to place oh. uh, LeBron in a spot or, or an existing spot that might be struggling and needs help at the box office, even with the owner being a star? I, oh, I think Adam would certainly ask, but LeBron <laughs> being LeBron, I think he could just say, you know, this is what I want to do and this is how it's going to be. I mean, you know, I, I, listen, I've known Adam a long time, and he, I've always liked him as, as a person, in, and I think he's done a, overall a pretty strong job as a commissioner. Um, he's not without his faults. One of the things that he's keenly aware of as well is the fact that the NBA has a lot of juice right now, and the two most important markets that they're not in are Las Vegas and my hometown of Seattle. And both of them are really excited for – um, a team, both will get a team, both in, in Seattle's case, definitely needs a new arena. But for LeBron to say to Adam Silver, you can say this to me, this is what you want, but this is not what I want, is very, very much in the realm of possibility. So, Jordan, I'm curious what your thoughts are in terms of LeBron as an owner or as part of an ownership group because, you know, we, we've gone through this uh, most notably with Michael Jordan where it hasn't been the smoothest thing to have Michael Jordan running a franchise overall. Like, what do you think about uh, LeBron as someone who would be heading up uh, an ownership group? I think it would be tremendous, not only for the NBA, but for North American sports to have um, a bedrock like that. If you think about, I mentioned earlier, uh, <laughs> sorry, I mentioned earlier, Liverpool FC. He also has a small percentage of the Fenway Sports Group, obviously the Boston Red Sox, Fenway Park, which is owned by the uh, team, not the city. For me, it's really the perfect of both worlds because in Michael Jordan's case, him being an owner and having the Hornets, I think it doesn't take a genius to realize that it's really, for him, it's more of a hobby. Um, As competitive as he was as a player, I've never gotten the sense from asking around the league that he was as committed or even remotely as committed to winning as an owner. And for LeBron, if he gets into that space, let's say he retires in four years, seven years, whatever it is, assuming he wants to play into his 40s with at least one or both of his sons, it's the perfect marriage of both worlds where you have an athlete who is incredibly relevant globally but also has the juice domestically to make it happen and to have the competitiveness to try to win a championship. So to me, it's a win-win and I think it will happen. When LeBron makes the statement that he does 
last night. It feels like everything with LeBron is at least thought through, right? He's not a yeah. guy who seems to say a lot of things emotionally or off the cuff. Uh, so what do you think LeBron knows? What, what, what level of discussion do you think has already happened here? About Vegas? About Vegas and LeBron's potential involvement. Oh, I think we're, you're already, uh, I, to use a football term, since you guys do have a football team, I think you're approaching the red zone. You're on like the twenty. You're on like the twenty-three. You're in field goal territory right now for Daniel Carlson. You're not. You're not in the twenty. You're not inside the twenties. You're not quite there. Part of that, maybe the main reason why is because he's still playing and he's still, you know, one of the best three or four or five players in the world. If he was retired, I think you'd you'd, you'd be inside the ten. But to me, it's really a matter of when, not if. Jordan Schultz is with us on Cofield and Company, NFL Insider and NBA analyst, with. The score. I'm sure you're aware of what was going on because I saw your post up on Instagram. I know you are, but for the audience, I'm sure you're aware of what was going on here the other night and today with uh, Victor Webinyama. What are your thoughts on the the the, the next unicorn seven footer who can play guard? Well, just to bring it full circle with LeBron saying that everyone over the last few years has been a unicorn. This guy's an alien. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> seven three. He's 18 years old. His wingspan is approaching eight feet. He handles the ball like Chris Paul. He shoots the ball like a young Ray Allen. And he's a baby. I mean, he's just a pup. I, I, I have never been so excited, I guess, since LeBron, to examine his ability and the upside. You know, a lot of guys, when they're coming into the NBA that are that young, they're not polished. And it's an upside draft. You know, you're, you're thinking about, if I can get this guy in my system with my coaching staff three, four, five years down the line, then I can turn him into a weapon. Victor Wimignana is ready right now to contribute. If he was on an NBA team right now, he gets you 15 and 10 as an 18-year-old. Oh, wow. Uh, so, you know, I think obviously he'll need to put on weight. There's that great video that came out two years ago of him essentially going one-on-one with Rudy Gobert, making Rudy Gobert look not super big because he's taller than him, and then Gobert afterwards saying, that's the best kid I've ever played against. And that's the two-time rating defensive player of the year. So between... Wimbenyana's ability now and, and then the upside and the fact that, listen, I haven't met the kid, but I've talked to some people around him. Everyone says that he lives in the gym, and I think you can tell that by his game. And if you go back even two years, you see the development not only physically, but just the way he plays, his intelligence, his acumen. These are all things that you don't think about with an 18-year-old. So the hype is real. It's not hype. It is real. And then there's the NBA tank that's going to go on this year the oh race to basically goodness. go oh and 82 if you could yeah uh, yeah yeah utah against okc and others how do you think silver handles this because i mean you're still selling tickets like you, you still have to have fans engaged for your crap teams at the bottom racing to get this guy there's an integrity issue here it really is and you know i think that probably the, the most glaring tank job that we've ever seen was was when the Philadelphia 76ers, Sam Hinkie, readily admitted that they were doing it, trust the process, and we've seen it with Oklahoma City. And, you know, if you know what you're doing from a draft standpoint, you can certainly make it work. Um, there's only a few – I have never seen such parity in the NBA than I have than I do right now. I mean, it, it, there's only three or four teams when you think about it, they're legitimately not trying to win games. I think San Antonio is probably at the top of that list. Uh, you know, maybe Utah, there's a couple others, but – these are teams that probably look at Wimbenyana and, to a certain extent, Scoot Henderson, who was the afterthought in, the, in last night's game, but in most drafts would be the bona fide number one pick. 
and they're saying, if I could just get one of those guys, then I'm set for the next decade plus. So, to me, you'll, you'll see a tremendous amount of taking, and you often see it the second half of the season when the underachieving teams, teams that have had bad injuries, they realize they are completely out of the playoff picture, and it would behoove them to stay out of it. Do you think Danny Ainge with Utah already made a call to Golden State to say, you know what, we've got a home for Draymond Green. That'll help our tank. Uh, on that subject, what are you hearing here with Draymond Green? What's going to happen? Because it sounds like it's going to be internal. And at what point does Steph Curry go, you know what, this guy has outlived his usefulness. Get him the hell out of here. Think about his salary compared to even Clay's. I think it's 28 compared to $41 million. He's 32. He'll be 33 this season. He's still an integral part of their of their whole program. I mean, really, he is. And whether you like him or not, he has helped them win four championships. He sucker punches Jordan Poole, who's arguably the most important young player, um, one of the most important young players in the league, uh, considering what Golden State has now and how they're going to transition toward the end of Steph's career. Um, I, if I, if you put, if you said Jordan, where is Draymond Green going to play, or fifty fifty does he play in Golden State or somewhere else? Ultimately. I would pick somewhere else. I, I just have never gotten the sense that the Warriors, Joe Lakeup, uh, Bob Myers, have wanted to extend him long-term the way that they value Clay and Steph as a cohesive Splash Brothers unit. So, to me, there's a better than 50-50 chance that Draymond ultimately ends up elsewhere. Jordan Schultz is with us. Let's close on this. Let's close on the Raiders. You clearly have some you know, well-placed sources within the Raiders organization or something good because you're putting out stories on the Raiders all the time. Have you heard any whispers, and I'm not saying they even exist, about some frustration with Josh McDaniels, teammates, Derek Carr? Like, I wonder every, if everything is hunky-dory, even after they got a win. They're out of the gates here, one and three. I think the, the that fourth game, the win against uh, last weekend, was, was enormous for them because it, it at, least, at least gave a reprieve to the criticism. And I checked in on a few guys. I I think everyone's frustrated when you get a new head coach who's supposed to be, you know, kind of a wonderkin Belichick uh, coaching tree and says he's learned from his mistakes. And I, I, listen, I'm one that said I like to hire. I thought his ability to delegate would be improved. Um, and the fact that he's still a pretty young coach was exciting. So, you know, he goes 5-17 and 17 in his last 22 games in Denver, and obviously things went really south. I don't get the sense that, you're anywhere near that level of frustration, and rightfully so. I mean, it's early in the process. Um, to me, when it comes down to it, it really is about the quarterback and whether or not they can get on the same page. The fact that Devontae has less targets than Matt Collins is crazy to me. You've got to figure out ways to get your best player the ball. That goes for Darren Waller as well and, and Foster when he's healthy. So I think they're fine. It's early. Raider fans, I know, are frustrated, but asking me if players are really frustrated yet as well, I don't get that sense. Jordan, great spot. Tell people in Vegas the best place to find your stuff. Anytime. We'd love to do it again. Uh, all right. I'm all over the all over the social media, you know, Twitter, yep. uh, Instagram. Just got on TikTok, Schultz Report, Jordan Schultz. You know, I have, I have, uh, I'm trying to be young with the program, guys. You know, the TikTok, I'm 36. I feel very, very strange being on TikTok, but this is the future. There you go. Thanks, Jordan. All right, guys. Be good. Yeah, topic I've been hitting a lot. When... Do one of us from Cofield and Company get on TikTok aside from scrolling through and looking at pictures? Oh, I don't. Th- I don't know what the on. formula is. It's you. Uh, it's I you. I don't know what to put up. Well, I mean, I guess I, my first one could be a post of Silver Sevens shrimp and mahi mahi and oh, chicken this, parm. What do I do? This is the this is the easiest like thing quick in the eating world. the plate. Like just no, you're gonna sh- no. You are going to pull out 
one of the many meat slicers that is in your garage, okay. and you are going to show people the proper way to get the cold cuts paper thin, translucent, and mm 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 good. Here's the way to do gabagool. Join Cofield and Company on Mondays for the live 2 to 5 show at Twin Peaks in Henderson. Big beers for under 4 bucks. Select appetizers are 2, 4, and $6. Come hang at Twin Peaks for Monday Night Football. Hurts in the gun. Hurts this time. Gives it off again and running with it and scoring. Miles Sanders, his second touchdown of the game. Now, back to the William Hill Sportsbook Inside Silver Sevens with Cofield and Company. Merrill Reese on the Eagles Radio Network. Eagles, best team in the NFC? No, and I, I'm, I'm sticking staunch to that. Um, give me a healthy Bucks team and let's talk. Really? Yeah, I'm still not out on, on Tampa. Uh, Eagles are playing just fine. They have faced no real competition to this point, and they're not going to. That's going to be the problem throughout the season is they have a weak schedule. Right. So they're going to be 14-3, and three, and we're not going to know if they're any good. I know we got scolded last hour by one Xavier Pope, moral compass for Cofield and Company. But when we talk sports and betting, he was telling us if we're talking sports, we don't need to talk about the divorce of TB12 mm. and Giselle. I completely disagree because I do think there are sports connections in terms of his focus and his performance. And anyone out there is like, that doesn't matter. It, it does. For people in the audience, the last time you had a breakup, the last time you went through a divorce, your work performance exactly the same moving forward? Arguably, it might have gotten better, right? Maybe you're, hey, you know what? I'm, I'm going to throw myself into work. Or you know what? Stuff that maybe have been limited me, maybe in the past had been limiting me, I've cleared up. I'm going to move up. Or it may just break you, and you're a disaster. So I have no idea what's going on between these two people. We know there's a divorce pending as of now. I do wonder what this does for Brady. He is, we think, superhuman when it comes to his drive to compete in sports. I wonder what's going to happen now. You know, you could just tell me that I've sucked for a couple of years. Like, you don't have to subtweet me like that and be like, what? I don't you're like what is that? everybody goes through personal times. Let's see if their performance gets worse. Okay, fine. My social <laughs> life hasn't exactly been perfect the last couple of years. You oh, what, you fat. You know what's funny about that is that I have zero. I would I, right now on a Bible with mom here, whatever I need to swear by. <laughs> dude, I know so little about you in your personal life. <laughs> I couldn't even Well, I mean and, and by the way, that's generally me. I have conversations with the SO about you guys or other male friends I have and she's like she's got twenty one questions and I'm like, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. I like we don't talk about that. I don't know. So that was not a subtweet. Adam yeah, Hill yeah. Adam Adam Hill I could probably do it too. That's true. Uh, Actually I've known I've known I've known Adam Hill for a long time and he's uh, he's quite the dramatic gentleman. So on Brady. On Brady, we absolutely have the right to ask questions about how this affects his performance because, in particular, we had that shady incident in training camp this year where he disappeared and came back. And I'm not here to question whether Tom Brady can be ready for the season if he takes a few days off. But what happened in that few days, 
judging by these reports, which have not exactly been refuted yet, of Giselle being mad about Tom Brady going back to play again, we have every right to question what's going on in Tom Brady's house and how is it affecting his performance. I was uh, listening to the Bomani Jones, uh, the Right Time podcast with Dominique uh, Foxworth uh, in the ESPN network, and Dominique Foxworth was saying, you know, Brady doesn't look the same. Like, no one's here to bury the guy quite yet, but something doesn't look right uh, with Tom Brady. And, look, again, I don't think his offensive line is what it needs to be. He just barely started getting some weapons back last week, and they got put behind the eight ball by fumbling the kickoff last week. So I'm not really ready to write off the Bucks based on what happened. But if anybody wants to come out here and say, oh, it's his personal life, was it his personal life when they were taking beautiful pictures of Tom and Giselle and selling the TV 12 merchandise and selling the image of Tom Brady? Hmm. No, it was all public. Then it's all public. Now. What did you think of me asking Jordan Schultz, who has some pretty good connections? I think inside the Raider locker room, he mentioned it, talked to some people. My question about cohesiveness, everyone staying on board frustrations out of line. Now, how many times have we talked to one of our regulars on this show, Ryan Harris, uh, who played for Josh McDaniels in Denver about McDaniels and heard chapter and verse about how much he dislikes the guy? When it goes that badly with a head coach, and he's not the only one that we've had on the shows talk that way, when it goes that badly, you have to be willing to ask those questions. You have to be willing to ask for a team that went all in this year. Getting Devontae Adams tells you one thing. The Raiders think they can win now. If they don't win now, all questions are on the table, including how is the locker room. Yeah. And it's really it's a storyline not only with McDaniels because of his history, but also because of some of the other Belichick branches who've gone out and had a tough time and assumed that they had Belichick equity when they came in. And, you know, let's look at it. The way Belichick works, McDaniels is going to follow a lot of his system, and that means being in the building a lot, practicing a lot. And when a team gets off to a bad start, you have to start questioning, like, hey, we didn't do this. I need a break every once in a while. I'm getting a little bit fatigued. Now, they get a break from it for a week, but it is something to keep an eye on. It doesn't matter what team it is. When you start losing and you're well below expectations, People start pointing fingers. There's not always self-examination in those cases, and they look for others to blame. I'm not, I don't know if the Raiders are doing this or if there's anyone frustrated. I mean, I will tell you, uh, John Abram has seemed frustrated uh, up until this week with some of his stuff in the locker room with the media. So there's a couple of people who are like, what's going on here? Now, a lot of that story could be, well, I was going to say com- completely unrelated to McDaniels, uh, but you know, McDaniels was part of the team that also elected to not pick up the fifth-year option for John Abram. So. There's cases in every locker room where you're like, okay, are you on board or are you on board? What's going on? And I think Abram is the perfect one to talk about because the, any equity that John Abram had came from the Gruden regime. Daily happy hour specials from 3 p.m. to 5 p.m., including 277 for pint shots and margaritas at the William Hill Race and Sportsbook inside Silver Sevens. 32 seconds to play in a half. Everyone's lined up for the field goal. The snap. The kick is on the way. Again, plenty of leg, and Gutierrez has kicked another one. Wow. Money in the bank. Now, back to the William Hill Sportsbook Inside Silver Sevens with Cofield and Company. Jamaican Jerk Salmon. 
pan-seared mahi-mahi, chicken parm, pasta primavera. Hmm. That's what we got here, Candy. I'm telling you, I can I can deliver it before I get out of town. I can do it. Why don't you just have the team plane make a little detour over Henderson? Just drop it. It's fine. I'll pick it up. Team plane is gone. Team plane is gone. I had to stay for what? the show. Oh, no, I'm flying on my own, buddy. What? Flying on my own. Uh, by Whoa. the way, yeah, I know. Daniel Gutierrez. What are you going to do? Some, someone's got to do the show. Uh, Daniel Gutierrez on the way back, UNLV football. By the way, uh, if you deep dive on Daniel Gutierrez, his family actually owns uh, several Mexican restaurants. And uh, if he doesn't make it into the NFL as a kicker, that is where his interest lies. He may get into the restaurant biz. This guy has gotten into the media biz. I really admire him, not for what he did in the traditional media. That sounds terrible, but I, I did. But he has started up Broncos News Nation. It's awesome. And I wanted to talk some Boise and what's going on around the conference. Let's bring in BJ Reigns. What's going on, BJ? Not much. How are you guys doing? Appreciate you having me on. Of course. Sorry for the long lead in there, but uh, you've built something pretty cool here, and you've got a hell of a story to cover because, uh, you know, while you guys are used to covering 9, 10, 11 win teams, this has been a wacky year for the Bronco football program. No doubt about it. And, yeah, I mean, uh, as you guys know, a little bit of controversy, <laughs> a little bit of QB controversy is never a bad thing for sure. a sports talk radio and uh, for, you know, podcasts and things like mine. But once the team starts, like, actually losing a lot of games and people are going to lose interest, so... Uh, we were starting to flirt with that uh, that line, but uh, luckily uh, they, they rebounded and had a big win against San Diego State. But, uh, yeah, fire in the O.C., quarterback, you know, four-year senior starter transferring, one of the worst games in the history of the program, losing on the road at UTEP with 177 yards of offense. I mean, yeah, there's been a, been a crazy couple of weeks, but uh, they feel like maybe they uh, ride, you know, ride the ship a little bit uh, last had, week. Had this been brewing with Bachmeyer? Was there a history with Bachmeyer and Avalos being frustrated with each other? Uh, I think there may have been behind the scenes that that was never public, but uh, uh, I think that would be a logical connection. Uh, once the OC leaves, then uh, maybe that was the connection that kind of kept Bachmeyer there too. Uh, my understanding was maybe it was something Bachmeyer considered a little bit after the season, after last season, but um, you know he was four games in, and I don't think it's what the rule was intended for. But you're seeing it all around the country right now, where uh, you played your four games, and if you haven't redshirted yet. You can uh, save the season and, and count it as the red shirt and still get the year back. And he can now go somewhere and be a four-year you know, starter that's marketable to a lot of places and still have two years left to play. So uh, I think it made a lot of sense for him to, uh, you know, if he just sees the writing on the wall, they're going to play a lot of 2QB stuff. And he didn't like the way it was going. He, he uh, you know, a lot of fans in Boise were not happy with how he was playing and then thought he gave up on the team when he left. But uh, I, I don't really blame him. The way the rule's written, you're allowed to do that. And, He's got two years to go somewhere else, and uh, the new guy that came in, Taylor Green, I think is going to have a very bright future as, as a quarterback. So I think it, it all worked out for everybody. If you coached at a Power 5 program, would you take Bachmeyer for those two years? Would you bring him into your program? Yeah, I mean, I'm not sure if we're talking Alabama, but if we're talking right. a, a mid- to lower-level Power 5 uh, school that's, like, desperate for a quarterback, yeah, I thought, he, I thought he did some really nice things. I mean, he got beat up a lot. I mean, I think the stat was last year or the year before – he got more uh, hits than any quarterback in the country. I mean, his offensive line was just not very tight. Hang in the pocket, uh, just took a lot of brutal hits. And so um, you can't question Hank Bachmeyer's toughness. Uh, he, they, they put a lot on his plate in terms of learning the offense. He had a new offensive core. I think he had four offensive coordinators. Um, and so he just had a lot on his plate. But I thought he was a solid quarterback. He wasn't amazing, but 
I don't think the offensive line helped him very much. And I thought he was a solid guy that in the right situation for a team that's desperate for a veteran quarterback, he could definitely come in and do some things. Tell Vegas about the new guy behind center, a quarterback for Boise. 6'5", 6'6", uh, looks like Vince Young, uh, tall, uh, athletic. Uh, you know, he had to fill in at the last minute at Pro Day last year or last uh, couple months ago for like Khalil Shakir and um, because uh, Bachmeyer had something come up and the trainers didn't want him throwing. And so like the night before he found out he had to throw a Pro Day and here's a freshman that had barely played throwing in front of all these NFL scouts. They got a waiver, I guess, so he could throw a pro day. And all the NFL scouts were oozing over him. They're like, who's this guy? Uh, and so uh, he, he throws a you know really nice, pretty deep ball. Um, he's got to work on his accuracy, but he's got a really strong arm. Uh, but his thing is his mobility. I mean, the two main the two games he's played significant snaps. He's rushed for over 100 yards in both games. So he's an athletic, dual-threat quarterback that can run. When the, the play breaks down, he can get you four or five yards. Uh, by scrambling, so uh, he's a very exciting talent, but he's just pretty raw and pretty young, and so uh, there's going to be some growing pains with that, but he's got a, a ton of ability, and I think there's a lot of people that think he's got a, a chance to play at the next level at some point. BJ, you referenced some of the um, rocky road that it's been this year for the Boise State football program, and I'm curious, your, your feeling from the fan base and your feeling just around the area is the standard still the same as the standard's been for the last 20 years or so? Is the expectation still the same that this is going to be a team that is competing for the top 25 every year, that is expected to be at the top of the Mountain West? Because I know how hard it is to maintain that for any program over the course of the amount of time that Boise State has been the dominant program in the Mountain West. Yes, yes. The, the fans uh, the fans <laughs> want them to go undefeated every year. Uh, the fans want you know, 10-plus wins, and when that's not happening, they're very upset. So, yes, whether that's a realistic standard or a realistic expectation, you can argue that, like you said. But from a fan's perspective, if they're not winning at least 10 games and winning the Mountain West every year, it's it's not a very good year. So, uh, Harsons last year wasn't great, uh, you know, and then uh, you had 2020 uh, with COVID. But, uh, then you know, last year Avalos comes in and – um, you know, go seven and five, which people were just not happy about. They lost three home games on the blue for the first time in like 25 years. Um, and then you get off to a two and two start this year and you lose to UTEP. As I said, uh, they didn't even get to a hundred yards rushing or passing. It was one of the worst offensive games in program history. Um, so yeah, there were a lot of restless, unhappy people, some boosters included. Um, I, I personally don't feel like even if they tank and lose the rest of the games that Andy Avalos' job is in jeopardy this year, but, um, there are a lot of people that have been, you know, that are, that are wanting more, and they demand a lot more. I mean, they, you know, I think it's unrealistic to go 50-3 and three over a four-year span like they did with Kellen Moore at quarterback. Um, but a lot of people don't think 7-5, and 8-4 and four is, is good enough, and even 9-3. and three. I mean, they want to win 10-plus games, win the Mountain West, and win a bowl game. And so it's been a rough uh, two-plus years here, and fans are demanding pretty high expectations. And to this point, the Broncos have uh, been a, you know, struggled a little bit to live up to them. So – I'll follow that up by asking you your opinion of how realistic it is. And obviously 50-3 and three is above and beyond what anyone's expectations realistically could be. But in the transfer portal era where there's always a better opportunity out there, is it realistic to say this is going to be the program that is the standard for this conference year in and year out? I don't see why it can't be. I mean, obviously some other teams are, um, you know, certainly have a, a shot to be in the conversation. But you look at the facilities they've got, uh, um, you know, and, and it, it is, you know, 
being hurt to an extent the last couple of years, but they've still got a national brand, uh, the, the name recognition, the blue turf. I mean, it certainly has taken a hit. and It's not what it once was, you know, seven or eight years ago, but it, it's, they still have a little bit of cachet, and so I think they're trying to not lose completely, but, um, you know, with the blue turf and, and the fact that they still get, you know, a, a good amount of games on national TV, and, um, you know, they're still putting a pretty good amount of players in the NFL on a yearly basis. I mean, they've had, you know, uh, multiple, you know, player drafted, I think, in like the last 16 drafts or something. I mean, they're, they're, uh, they're doing a pretty good job in a lot of those areas. It just comes down to winning games. And, you know, the fan base has really started buying tickets. They've had two really good attendants. The, the new AD has really come in and done a lot of good things. They're trying to raise a lot of money to uh, improve the stadium in a significant way and make some major renovations to the stadium, which would help. Um, but, uh, you know, the NIL thing is going to be very interesting because a guy like Dylan Green, at quarterback, may come in and just ball out the rest of the year, and then uh, he's from Texas. So what if uh, Baylor or Texas Tech or uh, Texas or whoever in, in the state of Texas try to convince him to come on home and offer him a lot of NIL money? So, I mean, that, nothing is set anymore. It's going to be very interesting, and a school like Boise State could uh, – you know, be in a position where they could lose some guys like that because that's kind of what they've always done is find the diamond in the roughs, the two stars, the under-recruited guys with chips on their shoulder and build them up. And that could be a problem, you know, where they build them up and then they go have success on another team. So who knows? You saw it with Bachmeyer, and who knows if that's going to continue. But, you know, they are making some big waves in the NIL business. They're the first school in the country. They just announced yesterday the first school in the country to have a trading card set. Uh, featuring the entire team, so, like even the walk-ons have like trading cards made for them. Um, and that's going on sale today, I believe. And so they've done some other things like that. So they're making the big waves in the NIL and trying to combat that. But uh, it's a crazy time right now. And I guess to make a long answer short, uh, yes, they feel like they still can be the elite team in the Mountain West for for years to come. But they certainly have to uh, not let you know what cachet they do have slip here right now. Covers Boise State, BJ Rains, Bronco News Nation. I wanted to give you a chance because I know Bronco you're, you're Nation News. Bronco Nation, Nation News. News. Yeah, my, my bad, my bad. I knew I was saying it incorrectly. Right. Nation News. So while I was doing that, I was giving you a chance to give a free pop to one of your local sponsors here in town because I know uh, Derek Stevens has been really good to you. He has, man. That was a totally random meeting with uh, Derek at the Las Vegas Bowl one year, and him and uh, their whole crew down there, man, Tyler Mays, and everybody just does it. Has been. Tremendous friends of mine. The last couple of years, we always do a. Uh, the last, you know, we started it last year. We're going to keep it going this year in terms of a, a Boise State kind of official headquarters for fans at Circa uh, for the Mountain West tournament and doing some podcasts and things down there. And we started a, a fun evening show with some former players and uh, Circa sponsoring that called uh, BNN After Dark. And I went down there and I actually entered the uh, Millions and the Survivor contest as well. Uh, and uh, just uh, you know and. and uh, it's been it's been a lot of fun. Yeah, I love Circa and they do a great job. And then Stadium Swim is amazing. And so uh, yeah, I'll be coming down for the basketball game in January, if not before. And was just there about ten days ago for a night for fun with my wife. And uh, yeah, love Circa, love Vegas. And uh, there's not too many places I leave Boise for, but I, I, I'm Vegas and San Diego would be very high on my list if I ever had a, a fair chance to move. BJ, we've got like thirty seconds left. Who's the best football team in the Mountain West? We were talking about that, and that's so crazy because you could, you know, not to sound like a homer, you could uh, you could make a strong case right now that it might be Boise State. I mean, uh, in terms of their best chances of winning the conference, they're two and zero, and you know uh, they're rolling right now. I mean, UNLV looks impressive. San Jose State obviously has done some nice things, but nobody else. I mean, Fresno without Hainer, San Diego State hasn't looked good. Utah State's been bad. Uh, all the other favorites have really not looked good. Air Force even lost to Wyoming, so 
I'd say Air Force still's up there, San Jose, UNLV, Boise State, but it's, it's as wide open right now as it's been in a long time and not necessarily in a good way. Broncos Nation News, BJ, appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Take care. Four o'clock hour is on the way. We go live ESPN Reno here in ESPN Las Vegas. The show rolls on. Silver Sevens is the spot. Game tonight, Colts and the Broncos, Denver, 77-cent beers.